welcome you, especially if you came here today, if you're joining us on Zoom, precisely because of the theme of today's sermon, Repentance and Repair. We're going to talk about forgiveness. Perhaps you are wanting to be invited to reflect, if, especially if you're struggling, if you're waiting for an apology, if you're struggling to offer an apology, if there are things unresolved in your mind, in your heart, that are weighing heavy on you this morning, we hold you. Come hopeful. Come joyful. Come brokenhearted. Come quiet. Come exuberant. We welcome you wherever you are in this moment with mixed emotions. We welcome your whole self. May you find here room for your spirit. May the words and the music you hear today refresh and nourish your spirit. May the people here and the connection we have with the people at home joining us on Zoom, strengthen you and reaffirming you how lucky and blessed we are to be part of a loving community. So welcome, everyone. We can never undo what we have done. We can never go back in time. We write history with our decisions and our actions, but we also write history with our responses to those actions. We can leave the pain and the damage in our wake unattended, or we can do the work of acknowledging and fixing, to whatever extent possible, the harm that we have caused. If you believe that you can damage Believe that you can fix. If you believe that you can harm, believe that you can heal. Let me say that again. If you believe that you can harm, please, please believe that you can heal. In the Jewish tradition of Yom Kippur, the people are offered a holy time an opportunity to atone, to repent, and to ask for forgiveness in public. Before they ask God for forgiveness, they must ask the people they have harmed for forgiveness. Only then can they address God. This is an invitation to greet the new year cleansed, renewed, aware of our mistakes, connected to our best selves, willing to ask for forgiveness, willing to forgive. It's an invitation to return. In Hebrew, the term is teshuva, to return, or to find something that we lost along the way. As Unitarian Universalists, we are rooted in religious traditions and in our own values that encourage us to strive to be our best selves, 
Our congregational covenants nourish a sense of belonging to our community of faith, and they help us to be accountable for our actions. Our anti-racism and anti-oppression work has taught us that having good intentions is no justification for minimizing or hiding the harm that we might cause. We are encouraged by our principles and values to be in right relationship with each other. The concept of right relationship might be easily understood when we speak about our relationship with nature, with Mother Earth. Yet when it comes to human relationships, especially within communities of faith that assume that we all share the same values, that we have so much common ground without recognizing that we come from all walks of life. We have more diversity than we sometimes recognize. So that right relations require intention and constant practice. This means that we are called not just to articulate or to read or recite covenants and intentions, but we are called, we are invited into the hard part of practicing, consistently practicing faithful communication, developing skills for managing conflict. As a community of faith, you've had some experience with Right Relations team facilitating sometimes very difficult conversations, creating healing circles that are facilitated so that we model good practices should be an ongoing thing so that we become less afraid to face conflict, to name conflict, to engage, manage, and hopefully resolve conflict. As with everything else in life, the more we practice, the less afraid we become about speaking the truth in love and in compassion, seeking creative and compassionate paths toward that repair. Being in a community means that we recognize that even with all our bylaws and policies and procedures, covenants, charts, and very good intentions, we are still messy humans. We are still imperfect, and we do and will make mistakes, big and small. It also means that we'll experience some mistakes on a very personal level as well as a collective level because we are part of an organization. So we need to always be prepared to face, to name, to unpack, manage, and hopefully help each other resolve conflict. Conflict, the very word might make you cringe or think that it has no place within our church community. Many of you might be thinking, you know what? Every day I have enough opportunities to experience conflict among my family, at work, on social media. I come to church to avoid thinking about conflict. I just want to come to church to be in a peaceful 
tranquil space, delight in the music, far away from conflict. I'm not going to argue with that. I think that too. It's a fair desire to bring into the sanctuary. And I also know that when we choose to be in community, we choose to journey together in order to help each other learn and keep growing. We learn to sit with uncomfortable ideas. Maybe somebody in the group is kind of bordering on testing our patience, using words that we might find offensive, or behaving in a way that we find just inappropriate. What do we do, right? We wrestle in committee meetings. Uh, do we say something out loud? I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to shame them. I am their friend. We sit on three committees together. I don't want to ruin anything. And sometimes we just swallow that for the sake of maintaining the relationship. And I bet that that thing that we swallow sits there and it gets heavier. That's when we are called to trust that being part of a community means we can approach someone and say, do you have a few minutes so I can talk to you? I have observed such and such a thing. It has made me think about right relations. I think we can do better. So our job is to help each other. And sometimes it's not helpful when we avoid conflict. When we draw the curtain and say, let's just move forward. Just let it go. We might feel that it's not our responsibility to do any repair work when we're not the only ones who made a mistake or when decisions are made in committees, for example, and a vote is taken and majority rules, right? The rules that we use to run our church business, for example, right? When the vote is not unanimous or when we feel pressured to raise our hands so that it can be unanimous, but inside we are dissenting. What do we do with our dissenting opinion? I mean, after all, even the Supreme Court of the United States has room for dissenting opinions, but we, because we're a small community, affect each other and might feel that we are pressured to vote on something that later on we find out has caused harm. So being part of a community and being accountable means we are willing to look back, to retrieve our history, to examine both the good and the not so good, to pull the curtain back, to reveal those broken pieces so that we might get a chance to practice the Japanese art of kintsugi. So as we heard the choir sing beautifully Japanese bowl, 
Kintsugi is an art form that makes something new and beautiful out of a damaged object without trying to conceal the broken parts. Hold on just one second. I have a show and tell. How many of you have seen this book already on repentance and repair? It is the UUA, thank you, common read for this year. And this is a book that I preached on last year during um, Yom Kippur. It's written by Rabbi Danya Ruttenberg. And the title is Repentance and Repair, Making Amends in an Unapologetic World. And she writes that you can never unbreak what you have broken. But with sincere and deep work of transformation, acts of repair have the potential to make something new. And as you heard in the song Japanese Bowl, Peter Mayer says, I'm like one of those Japanese bowls. I was made long ago, and I have cracks in me. They have been filled with gold. That's what they used back then when they had gold to mend. It did not hide the cracks. It made them shine instead. And if you look at the front of your order of service at the program, you'll see a bowl. It is cracked and it is mended with gold, highlighting the broken parts. And Peter Mayer says, so now every old scar shows from every time I broke and anyone's eyes can see I'm not what I used to be. But in a collector's mind, all of these jagged lines make me more beautiful and worth a higher price. I'm like one of those Japanese bowls I was made long ago. I have some cracks you can see. See how they shine of gold. How many of you have already started reading on repentance and repair? Great, great. If you have read it, if you have just started, what words would you use to describe some of the things that you are picking up, some of the things that are coming up for you as you read? Thought-provoking, sorry, thought-provoking. Hopeful. Supportive, transformative, healing. Thank you. I find it all of that and challenging because in one of the chapters she says, you can say I'm sorry and mean it. You can work hard 
on doing the repair work, and still the person might choose not to accept your apology. That's challenging. That's hard because we are used to being rewarded for good behavior. We want to feel that reassurance that we can, again, be in right relationship with that person. Sometimes it's possible, and some relationships cannot be repaired. So sitting with that reality, for me, it's very challenging and kind of scary, but I keep on reading. And this is, I think, my third read of the book, and it's always like I'm starting again. So whether you have read the book or not, we all have some idea about the meaning of repentance and repair. We've all been wronged at some point of our lives, and we've all made mistakes and hurt someone. Like the story we shared earlier, we understand the importance of being curious about how our actions affect people's feelings, even when we have the best intentions. Realizing when we've missed the mark, made someone sad, offended someone, made them feel less than, requires constant attention to our words and our actions, and sometimes to our omissions. We have been on both sides of the coin, asking for forgiveness and offering forgiveness, but we don't always know how to do it. Is saying, I'm sorry enough. What happens when the mistake is part of a group decision? In our congregational life, we all have experienced plenty of times when mistakes were made both by individuals as well as groups. I would submit to you that it's equally important to consider how the governance systems operating and guiding our work, our mission, our vision, might also influence how we practice being in right relationship and to identify those challenges that prevent it. How do we feel when we are asked to recognize mistakes in public? How do we return to our best selves? Have we lost a relationship? Have we lost trust forever? Have we lost our sense of belonging? Have we lost hope and gave up? This is our opportunity to appreciate the holy gift of teshuva, the opportunity to go back and find what has been lost, the invitation to reopen whatever door we thought was shut, closed, and sealed forever. If you find yourself just at the threshold of forgiveness, struggling with questions around accountability, both individual and collective, if you find yourself uncertain about your ability or even your willingness to offer an apology or to accept an apology, I invite us to pause. Just take a deep breath. For the next couple of minutes, Just breathe into any resistance and let it go. Breathe into any sense of shame or guilt and let it go. Breathe into your own beauty and spaciousness and compassionate heart and breathe out that love and compassion.
beginning with yourself. Forgiving oneself, perhaps, is the hardest thing to do. That is so curious. That as hard as it is to forgive someone who has hurt us, we're willing to do it and we try to do it most of the time. And yet when it comes to us, we are so hard on ourselves. Just pause. Breathe in gentleness. Breathe in your own forgiveness for yourself. Thank you. So as you consider reading the book, I just want to name some of the chapters, those five points that are such a great source of hope. Um, If you believe that you can damage, believe that you can fix. If you believe that you can harm, Believe that you can heal. Name and own the harm. Reassure yourself that you are brave and that you can start to change. Think about what restitution is needed. Think about the apology. And then make a different choice. Because when faced with the opportunity to trip over the same rock, then we have the choice to recognize that rock and to say, I've been here before. This looks familiar. Now I have a choice. Let's take another deep breath. If it helps, Place your hand over your heart and just pick one thing in your life that needs repair and hold it. Hold the broken pieces together. Use your compassion as the gold. Know that it's through those cracks that the light will shine through, the light of hope, the light of forgiveness, the light of community, the light of love. 